My name's Sarah Frick, and you're listening to Are You For Real? A podcast all about being real. Like, really real, not just cute Instagram real. Like, real. Welcome back. Are You For Realers? It's Sarah. Here we go. We are interviewing today Serena Wolf. She is the author of The Dude Diet and her newest book that just came out, The Dude Diet Dinners. So what she does is she takes yummy, delicious food and she gives it a healthier twist. And I would say for someone like me who is not as proficient in the kitchen as I would love to be, these recipes are actually easy, accessible, and they're really good for kids. She also has another story, another side of her story, which she talks really openly about her anxiety. So she takes it full circle. We get really real. We talk about food. We have some giggles. So I'm excited for you guys to hear this conversation. I really enjoyed this sit down with Serena and I think you'll enjoy it as well. So before we hear from Serena, we have a word from our sponsor at Blender Bombs. Blender Bombs, a lot like what Serena's doing, are simple, easy, healthy options, okay? Lately, I've been taking my Blender Bombs and throwing them in a smoothie. And before I can even have the first sip of my smoothie, I'm sharing it with like everyone in my house. Even John, who is like meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, he'll eat a smoothie. He'll drink a smoothie. You can throw so many great veggies in there and those blender bombs make it delish. So you can grab some of those for yourself on their website, blenderbombs.com. Use my code, get a discount, Sarah with an H10, or come by the works and grab a bag yourself. All right, guys, we are sitting down with Serena Wolf. She is here in lovely, rainy, cold, freezing Charleston from New York. And we're going to talk to her today about a lot of things, but we're going to first just start. I'd love to get a little background on you for our listeners. And I always feel like it comes best out of your mouth. Well, I'm like, where do we start? Where do we, I know people are always like, where do I start? I'm like, I was born. Um, start I wherever actually, it gets interesting or messy. So I graduated from college in 2009, height of the financial crisis, had no idea what I wanted to do. So I was having my own personal existential crisis. Um, wanted to move to Paris, had minored in French as like only a naive 22 year old. I was like, I'm going to move to Paris and be a writer. Right. Like, this is going to work. <laughs> and that, so I did that. Um, but a friend of mine who had just come back from Paris was like, look, like if you're struggling and you like want to do something concrete while you're there, you should take the basic course at Le Cordon Bleu. It's a skill you'll never regret having. It's only three months. And I was, I sort of got over there thought I spoke fluent French, realized I spoke no French, (laughs) didn't know a single person, um, and was like, perhaps this was a huge mistake, but Enrolled in Cordon Bleu, which was ridiculous because I had no interest really at that time in food or cooking. Nobody in my family cooks. My mom like burned things from time (laughs) to time growing up. It's still deeply hilarious to my friends and family that this is my profession now. But I got there and it was legitimately trial by fire. And everybody that's there is either super passionate about cooking and is looking to either get into the restaurant world or become a, you know, a professional chef, or they've been cooking for years in restaurants and are coming to get like their formal training. So you didn't have to like get into school? No. So this is like a very funny common misconception (laughs) and I hate to blow up anyone's spot who's been like, I went to the Cordon Bleu. It's like, it's incredibly challenging once you're there, but anyone can go. Okay. Like, you just, you pay, just you pay. have to pay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I had to write... You just an broke a-, a few hearts. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had to write an essay and like answer some questions, but I'm pretty sure everyone gets it. Yeah, yeah, got it. <laughs> and so I really was terrified when I got there. I was so bad at everything because I didn't know anything. You know, mm-hmm. but you don't know what you don't know. So I didn't... Right. I never held a knife properly. I didn't know how to... I had no knife skills. I'd never handled raw meat or fish or whatever. And everything that you cook at Cordon Bleu is in its whole form. So like if you're cooking a piece of fish, you're getting the whole fish oh and you're gosh. like scaling, gutting, filleting. And are people it. like to your left and right like knowing yes, exactly. just like doing it. You're like I'm just like, like kind like, of following. Yeah. I use and it's very shameful to cut yourself. So I would like occasionally cut myself and then be trying to hide it. Yeah. And be like, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> um, but it was very intense. So also crushing dreams here. I meet so many people who are like, it's my dream to go to Cornwall. Like, is it? 
Yeah. Is it your dream to get up at 6 a.m. and wear a starched uniform and get yelled at by an old French man all day? Like That's, that's but, not my dream. But, no. <laughs> um, but at some point, I really did just fall in love with it. There's no. There was just a turning point. And for me, being in the kitchen... I would, you sit in these three hour demonstrations and then you would replicate these recipes and be graded on them, but you could hear a pin drop. It was like three hours of silence and you're just going through recreating this recipe. And I started to just love that like Mm. silence and that like peace that I got just it's like meditative. It is. It yeah. really was. Um, and I think it goes both ways. Like if, if you're under a lot of pressure, then it can be very stressful. But I just really loved it. And so I signed on and did the full diploma program. Oh, wow. Which is a little over a year. I also did a term of pastry, but that's like not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a whole different skill set, different side of your brain. But I knew I didn't want to go into restaurants. And I had like, you know, had no plan to go to culinary school. So I was like, okay, so what? do I do with this right. now? And there are so many things you can do in the food world, but food has changed so much. Like I graduated in 2011 from culinary school and I would say food really, really exploded in like 2012, 13. Like obviously we've always had to eat and restaurants have always been a thing, but like food media, the way it is today didn't exist when I was in college, right. you know? So it was a, blogging was like a new frontier. People were doing it, but not as a profession really. Right. Um, so I started my blog while I was in Paris. It's called domesticate. It's called domesticate me, but at the time it was domesticate moi.blogspot.com. <laughs> <laughs> and it had a pink background and blackberry photos and was just terrible, but I was using it to keep in touch with my friends and family. Right. And so like I didn't care and I just wanted it to be fun and funny. And I was telling these stories about these dinner parties I was hosting with my roommate at the time in Paris. And like, we lived in a tiny, tiny apartment and we just push all our furniture together and like light a bunch of candles and turn out the lights. And like with the light on, it's a total shit show. Right. Lights off. It's like glamorous. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I ended up realizing was like a lot of my friends and then people who had started reading my blog weren't asking me things like, how do I keep my emotion sauce from splitting? It was like, is the chicken cooked? Am I going to kill my friends? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I wanted to cater to <clears throat> those types of people because there was still sort of Pinterest was starting to explode. And I think people really only had the option of like Pinterest perfect Martha Stewart meals and then 30 minute meals. Mm-hmm. But there was just a lot of family options or perfect like entertaining options. And there wasn't a lot of sort of, what if I just graduated from college and this is my first apartment and I need to make dinner for myself on a Tuesday and right. not break the bank and eat something that's relatively healthy and delicious. Um, so I started posting recipes on my blog, but that was not a full-time gig. Like I think what's really interesting is a lot of people don't talk about, especially people who now have cookbooks or huge Instagram presences or products or like, you know, celebrity chefs, whatever it is, like we don't hear a lot of the backstory. And I'm like, I would never like, I've been at this for eight years now. So like in the early days, like I was hosting at a restaurant, I was going to people's apartments and like teaching them how to cook a piece of salmon and some quinoa. Right. Um, I was private chefing for a couple years. I cooked for a couple guys on the giants and like, I hated all of these jobs, like with a passion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think that I knew I had to do all of like, this was, you know, my equivalent of cooking on the line. Like I never had any interest in restaurants, but it's like, you put in your time, that job sucks. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it was just a really good learning experience. I just like kept my head down and had my nose to the grindstone for a long, long time. And like, there are no shortcuts. Like Mm -hmm. I am a big I, there are no shortcuts. I'm, I, I just, I, I talk to people all the time. Like, how do you get to do this? I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> totally. if you want the real answer, you're not going to like it. Yep. I remember when I graduated school, my dad, I got my first job. My dad was like, if it seems too easy, it's cause it is. Yes. It's not real. Like, no. You know, and, so. and that was sort of very eye opening. And I always wanted to write a cookbook. Like once I had started writing, you know, probably a year after culinary school when I'd started to grow the blog, I was like, I really like the storytelling and teaching aspect of food, Mm -hmm. not the literal class aspect, but the like 
breaking down, like here are ways that you can make this your own or not be scared to, you know, make this recipe. I think a lot of people just have to get over that initial cooking hump because it is really intimidating. I think if you don't know anything and I know because that's how I felt, (laughs) I was just like, ah, like what are all these ingredients and what do I actually need? And do I need like a KitchenAid stand mixer? Everyone seems to have one. Right. I even (laughs) have one now. I'm like, I have one too. It's so funny. I've never, I don't even, I've never used it. I'm like, unless you bake, it's just not a thing. But I wanted to write a cookbook. So I wrote a proposal for a cookbook called Food That Doesn't Suck. I think it was 24. And it kind of did suck. (laughs) (laughs) But it got really far along and I thought it was happening. And... It, it didn't go through, thank God. And I think like that's one of those things that if I had gotten that deal, I don't think that I would be here today just because I think I would have done a really crappy job. Yeah. And like I wouldn't have had the like inspiration or the motivation to see it through in the way that you kind of have to when you write a cookbook. And so I started focusing on building up my blog. And I had started one column on my blog called The Dude Diet that was based on my husband, who at the time was my boyfriend. We had just moved in together and we had dated long distance for months. Like I met him while I was in Paris. And so he lived in New York and whenever we saw each other, his eating habits were so insane, but I was like, this is vacation eating. Yeah. yeah, you know? yeah and yeah. so I was like, non you know, like judgmental about it. I was just like, Oh, like he definitely eats healthily when he's at home. And then you're like, like, right, right. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Cause like he wasn't like, you know, really overweight. Like it was just like, and he loves food. So I, in a really deeply wonderful, hilarious <laughs> way, like, I mean, the story, that's just like, even when we go to a wedding or a party, we just separate because I know, but I, I know if I ever need him, he's going to be in the spot where like the food comes out <laughs> and he will have like befriended a server uh, who will bring him the fresh food when it comes amazing. out. But he really ate just not a lot of vegetables, you know, like it was a lot of meat, cheese, bread, Mm -hmm. basically. And he didn't think that he ate that badly, which was kind of the scary part. And I think for better or for worse, I don't think men are bombarded with as much information about nutrition as women are. So he just didn't know. And he thought he ate pretty well. And he would like go to the bakery, the vegan bakery around the corner from us and eat a muffin the size of his head for breakfast. Yeah, but it was vegan. Yeah, he's like, it's vegan. I was like, okay, um, it's not the egg. So John used to order salads, the fried chicken salad and put ranch on it. I'm like, what do you you mean? He's like, I had a salad for lunch. I'm like, no, you had Bojangles. You didn't have a salad. (laughs) He was like, I ate a buffalo chicken salad. I'm like, chicken fingers. Yeah. (laughs) But he had like a 90s view of eat it. Like when I kept being like, you might want to like eat more healthily. He thought that he had to eat tofu and spinach and like right, right. yogurt. And, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why he thought that, but I figured if I just started cooking his favorite meals and, and making them healthier and not in a like aggressive way, just leaner meats, more whole grains, right. more vegetables. I'm talking cheesesteaks, chicken fingers, lasagna, meatballs, like all of these things that he loved. And he ended up really loving these recipes. And then I was like, you know, this has, the meatballs have grated zucchini in them or they have this or whatever. And he's like, I knew it. I'm like, you did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop. <laughs> you're lying. You're lying. <laughs> I'm like, I've already pocketed that compliment. So yeah. You can't take it back. Yeah. Um, and I, I, how just, do you make cheesesteaks healthier? I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly, but like, that's the thing is like, I'll do like half, like a top round sirloin, you know, something that's leaner and then replace like half of the meat with portobello mushrooms okay. and then use like peppers and onions and use a whole grain roll that you've scooped out. And then like, okay, I find that you can use a really little amount of cheese yep. and you still get the aesthetic effect. Like yes. anything that has melted cheese on it totally. and like the cheese pull You can factor, stretch it. Yes. I'm like, it doesn't have to be a ton. And I'm a big believer. Like I don't do low fat Right. You know, like whatever. I'm like, get a good sharp cheddar. You can use half as much and you'll still get the same flavor from it. So he was stoked. And I was like, there are other people out there like Logan, but like not just men. And I think the dude diet title is a little You're like speaking my love language right now. But like I'm from (laughs) California. I call everyone dude. Like to me, it's a mentality. And I'm like, I'm reaching a certain type of person who doesn't have, like I am a supporter of any and all diet or lifestyles that work for somebody. Like I have friends who are diehard, like paleo fanatics and it works so well for them. But I also think there are so many people who are like incapable of 
restriction in that way. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm in the same boat, but I knew like Logan was like, never going to be able to give up a whole food group yeah. or count calories or yeah, do yeah, any yeah. of these things. So I was like, what can I do that? He's just like, it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. He just eats this food or he knows I would try and like, sque- like sneak in little nuggets of nutritional wisdom that felt digestible. And I'm like, you know, like that became the do diet commandments that are like, if it's white, always think twice. Like, do you need to, have, I like this. <laughs> like, do you need to put more white rice on your plate? Like, right. is that necessary? Right. Right. <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, a lot of times it's not because I'm like, you're not actually that excited about the white rice. It's just a reflex, you know, right. or whatever it is. Um, so I started this call on my blog and I got a huge response, which was hilarious. Cause at the time, not a lot of people reading my blog. So I was very yeah. surprised by the response. Uh, and it was a lot of, it was a handful of dudes because there were just not a lot of guys reading blogs. food blogs. <laughs> um, and then a lot of women who either were like my husband, boyfriend, dad, son is also a nutritional idiot. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you have more recipes? And then a lot of women who were like, I, this is how I want to eat. And I've been told that I'm not allowed to eat chicken fingers or any right. of these things and be healthy, do you have more of these recipes? Right. And so that really took off on the blog and that was 2012. So I wrote like probably like 40 dude diet columns over the course of the next year. Um, and that was what spawned my first book. And then that came out in 2016. Um, and it ended up being obviously bought by mostly women, which is amazing. And it turned out to be like a really unexpectedly on my end, like a really big family cookbook. Yeah. Because like, it was like, these are things that uh, like couples like kids like, and I think a lot of us are catering in my case, whether it's, you know, both people in a couple cook, that's great. But in, in a lot of cases, it's one person that's doing the right. cooking male or female. And it's like, you never know. There's usually a disparity. Like it's very rare that two people are on the same exact page, like health and taste wise. And so it was like a good way to meet in the middle. Are these recipes too? I'm just thinking I have three little kids and my husband and I both work. Like, are these complicated? No, not at all. And it's a lot of like, I go for straight up comforting flavor combinations that are really traditional. So like the first book was sort of just every comfort food that you can think of made by, so like macaroni and cheese, you know, the I'm going to like buy this regular meatballs, like all of these things. <laughs> and it was, it ended up being things that could be, most of them as written are just like accessible to any, all of them are accessible to any level of cook, but most of them are also just like kid friendly. Mm-hmm. And then some of them, it's like, just leave out the spice factor or right. whatever, if it's spicy. But with when, after this book came out, I started talking to people when I was like, what do I want to do next? And everyone was like, honestly, I just need more dinners. <laughs> it's the one meal that I think most of us cook. Yeah. I think for breakfast and lunch, we have things we like or we're on the go. Yeah. You know, but same. I think those can be really repetitive and like you, they're part of your routine and you like them, but everybody can use more healthy dinner inspiration. Um, So this book is just dinners and it's like broken down by types of dinners. So you got like one pot meals, you know, there is a breakfast for dinner chapter though, in case anybody needs their breakfast. We almost did that last (laughs) night, but instead we did a frozen pizza. It was like, you got, you you got to do it. I was like frozen pizza, fancy wine. Yeah. Here we go. Um, So do you have any favorites? I have, it's so hard for me. And then like, I have certain favorites that I tested so many, t- like that were favorites. And now I'm like, please never make me that again. Right. So do you do, is everything in your own kitchen or do you have a test in kitchen? my own yeah. kitchen. Um, so I make every recipe at least three times. Like, oh and, but then I send it out to recipe testers who are just volunteers, like people who volunteered. How do I get bot- this job? Yeah, it was it's, seriously it's so funny because I did for my first book, <clears throat> This was my first book when I was working on it. We had Instagram. We didn't have Instagram stories. It wasn't the same level of engagement. So I posted on my blog being like, I need people to help me test recipes for this cookbook I'm writing. And I think I had 40 people helping me. Like I would like send Word documents of the recipes. They make it in their kitchen. And then they fill out a worksheet that's like, did all the timing work? Was, you know, would you make it again? Did you need any special ingredients you couldn't find? All of that kind of stuff. Because like I said, I wanted it to be like, easy and accessible. And like there were some recipes where people were like, I live in 
uh, North Dakota and I went to get ground chicken and I've never seen it in my grocery store before. So right. like in those cases, even if I don't necessarily <coughs> change the recipe, I will make a note being like, if you can't find ground chicken, mm-hmm. here's how you can make it yourself or sub 93% lean ground turkey, you know, whatever right, right. it is. Um, but this time I like announced I was doing this and I got like hundreds of volunteers, sure. which was so amazing because it's, it's fun. I'm blown away that like people are willing to sacrifice time and money to like cook recipes from a stranger on the internet and it's like the most wonderful thing right. oh see i was um, thinking that you sent food oh no i was like you can put me on that ups list yeah <laughs> no like it's literally people cooking it themselves because awesome. i want them to know because like sometimes you know most of the time if i'm sending it out i like I, i'm always sending it out thinking that it's perfect but i know that i could be wrong you right know? so like there's sometimes people are like I cooked it for 20 minutes. It was so burnt, you know, whatever it is. And so if that happens, I'll go back and I will retest it. Right. And then I'll send it. I send every recipe to three people. So I have a tiebreaker in case two people have differing opinions. Good. <laughs> so it's kind of a psycho system. And all my friends who write cookbooks are like, you're bad shit crazy. <laughs> no, but you got to do it. Like keeps your brain but right. It does. Um, and it all, it all makes the book so much better to like have people and, and sometimes the questions are just things that wouldn't cross my mind cause I've been doing it totally. for so long and it's, they make the recipe, like I will rewrite the recipe. So it's so much more clear because somebody was like, I just don't understand this. I or, say that in my class. Like if I call a queue and everyone's looking around, I'm like common denominator. That yeah. would be me. <laughs> that would be me. When 60 people are looking at you like, huh? And you're like, what did I say wrong? But you know, you know what you I mean? It's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's so, so smart. There is such a thing as too much feedback, I think, but it's just... And it's some people so love to give it. They do. They got a lot of words and a lot of motherfucking time. Yes. <laughs> and there were like some people who were like, I'm sorry if I'm taking this too seriously. I'm like, okay. Then, and it was funny because I do think because people were testers, they were like, I was like, no, no, no. If I'm sending it to you, I think it's good to go. Like you don't, the goal is not to find something wrong. Correct. With it. It's just to be like, I'm like best case scenario, you just make it and you're like, I loved it. And then I move on to the next. Right. Recipe. This is a needle in a haystack. <laughs> yes. Yeah, totally. Um, so what, I guess for you, what have, I mean, I think you've kind of touched on this, but like the biggest challenge is doing this. I think what's scary is I now, like I just, I've, I wear a lot of hats. I think all of us, you know, like mm-hmm. wear a lot of hats and like I started out, you know, I am professionally trained, but I, I'm not in a restaurant. So I think like defining my career has always been really hard for me. Mm-hmm. And I think when I started out, I had such bad imposter syndrome mm-hmm. because I was like, I just got out of culinary school and then I wanted to be on TV. That was like what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so right after culinary school, I went, I got a talent agent. And I went while I was like doing, you know, the blog and hosting and all these other things, I was sent out to like all of these auditions and meetings. And I, I met with all these people and it was really harsh. Like they were like, why? Like it was essentially an often in a nice way and sometimes in a not so nice way. Like get out of here. You're 24. Like our audience has been like, like you went to culinary school, like big whoop. Like our audience has been cooking for like, as long as you've been alive, like they don't want to listen to you. Like the food network, they're like, come back in like 10 years, like get out of here, you know? And I was like, (gasps) you know, and that, and it was great feedback, but it was also soul crushing when you're 24 and like bright eyed and like bushy tailed. And they're like, I just want to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Totally. And they're like, no, like go, go do terrible jobs. for minimum (laughs) six to eight years and come back. But I think it was a really good learning. Like for me, it's, it's shaped how I frame everything in my life. Like I now, if it, like you were saying earlier, if it comes too easily, like it's It's not real, it's not real. And Mm so I, I am of the weird thing is I kind of think this fallacy we all promote is like, if you work hard, you're successful. And I just, I've seen so many cases where that doesn't happen and it sucks. So I think like I've had to, especially in the last few years, like really make sure that the other parts of my life are really great. Mm -hmm. Cause like, I, I hate the thought of like putting all of my eggs into like all of my happiness eggs into my career basket. Right. Like, at the end of the day, looking back now, I can be like, oh my God, I have two books, but like it is my nature because I'm super type A 
to be like, okay, so like what's next? And like, this is not, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't get this opportunity or like this TV show didn't book me to promote this book, but they promoted the last book. Like, what did I do wrong? You know, these types of things. And being like, instead of, you know, four years ago, I had zero books, you know? And like at that point, like, and then I got one, it's like, you have to celebrate along the way, how far you've come because otherwise you're just going for the next thing. And I think, I'm trying to move away. My default is like to be a striver. And so like, I think I could go through my whole life just being like trying to get a bigger and bigger and mm-hmm. bigger accomplishment. And I had this wonderful conversation recently with a friend who was like some, you know, what if you write nine books? Like she was like, not all nine are the best. And she was like, there, it's, there's no way that every book you write is going to get better than the last book. Like right. that's insane. Like also people are going to have their own opinions and be like, Oh, like you know, people who I'm like already prepared just because of the way the world is like, somebody's going to be like, I loved the dude. I hate the dude died at dinner time, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like there's just, well, I say that too, to, um, to my girls um, that we all work here. I'm like, you know, there's going to be some classes that you're going to be leaving and be like, God, oh, that sucked. I, you know, and like, and it's, 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 you know, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's part of the work. I mean, it's like, and I totally can relate to the striver thing. We, I owned, um, two other studios in town for 10 years and then I sold them. They were power yoga studios. I sold them to my business partner at the time. And then we opened, we opened this studio up May 29th and it's just been amazing. It's been gangbusters. It's been great. And I was like, okay, now what's next? And I'm like, okay, let's go over the bridge and we'll open a studio north side. And then I met with a friend of mine actually who owns Home Team Barbecue yesterday and him and I were sitting down and they have restaurants from like here all the way to Aspen. We were just chatting and um, I was like, you know, I, okay. So then like after that, like, and, and he was like, Sarah, he's like, please promise me you'll take a year just to like be in this and to feel it. He's like, you yeah. know, like you, cause I'm like, okay, what's next? What's next? Instead of like, being present in this and just making this enough. And, you know, like I'm constantly like running and perpetuating. And I think there is so much, you know, that's when I was uh, doing this meditation with this girl one time and she was like, you know, everything's addictive, even success. It is. So it's like, we see where we're succeeding and then it's like all the energy goes there. And then like what you said about like all the eggs in one basket, what if that falls and you're like over there and you're like, what what happened? You know? (laughs) And so it's like making sure that the energy is balanced. Yes. In some ways. And like, I also think what's crazy this day and age is like, you know, if you have something that is quote unquote successful, like I was saying earlier, there's not a lot of backstory on, on how people got there. So it can be sort of misleading. Mm. And I listen, I love podcasts and like I'm in the kitchen all day. So I listen to things all day. And sometimes you just hear story after story of being like, I had this idea and then, and then I, I got really clear on it and I focused on it and like, you know, I manifested it and and now it's this huge success. And I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) Please break down this manifestation process for me because I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. No, seriously. (laughs) And I think that I have now been trying to be, Instagram is really interesting to me because I think there's so many potential pitfalls, but like, I really love it because I've just chosen to use it in a way that's really fun for me. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, it wasn't, it was a like promotional tool, but I wasn't actually doing any partnerships or anything. So I was just able to just be me. Yeah. And like the feed is a joke for me. I hate posting it. I get really nervous, like whatever, but Instagram stories are my thing. Like Mm -hmm. I love them. It's really easy for me to communicate and just like be myself. And it's been, and that's, those have only been around for like three years. So they sort of came around when I was on my last book tour and it was really funny to see, I think people saw me on this tour mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, like she's doing all this TV and she's like going all these right. places and whatever. And I was like, you guys, like I'm in a basement Airbnb in Atlanta. Yeah. Like <laughs> I am scared. Yeah. I have double locked the door. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, this was, you know, and I was like, and I am schlepping, like people don't understand. It's like I did the local good morning Charleston this morning. I went to Whole Foods yesterday. I like bought the ingredients for the segment. I went to my friend Jess's house. I got all of like the tools and equipment and plates and stuff, schlepped it to my hotel. I got yeah. up at six this morning. I like prepped it, you know, I schlepped it all with me to the station. I prepped it in their kitchen because I don't have a kitchen. I like didn't have any of my stuff, which felt crazy. Like it was not the most beautiful segment I've ever done, but like it was fine. Yeah. But I think people don't understand it's like when I go on a book tour it looks fun and glamorous and all these events are happening, but I'm like, 
I don't get paid for this. My publisher doesn't contribute. So like I've started doing these sort of quote unquote, like behind the scenes stories of making a cookbook happen from deal through execution through the tour, because I was like, look, like last tour, I ended up in the red. So it was like a business. It was this time around, I had to be very conscious that I was making the right business decision. Last time it was like a, a business education in right. the sense that I was like, oh, you have lost a significant <laughs> amount of money right. because I was paying for travel, hotels, hair and makeup, you know, segment ingredients, transportation, all of these things. And this time around, like to minimize costs, I've cut a lot of TV because I was like, the ROI is not worth it. Right. So like, while it may like be great for my vanity to be like, oh, good morning, you know, (laughs) not worth it. Um, and I started reaching out to, I'm doing 23 cities. I started reaching out to hotels, um, with my assistant like six months ago. And so now pretty, like, I think every city, every hotel is comped in exchange for social media promotion, which is totally fine. Absolutely. Um, because at the end of the day, I'm like, a, you know, people are either interested in seeing various hotels around the country, or I'm like, I'm hoping that they'll cut me some slack and be like, I get it. 30 nights in a hotel is insanely expensive. Well, and I think like to your point, it's like in my industry, it's like, everyone's like succeed, 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 but don't sell your soul. Now don't sell your soul on Instagram. (laughs) Well, fuck you. This is where I'm not selling my soul, but and you know, I was talking to my friend Stacy, who owns Hamden. Yeah, where you're gonna go. Yes. she's. We were actually in Vegas together for four days. We did a lot of talking. <laughs> she did. She did some gambling, but I did a lot of talking. But I had was going through something professionally. When we were there. It just kind of was like a perfect storm. And yeah. um, I, you know, in my industry, people walk in to these rooms because what I always say is like, I'm a fitness instructor, but I'm a storyteller. I leave everything in that room. And I mean, I tell my girls, I'm like, you go there and bleed and give them your heart because fitness is on every corner. And so people come in with that expectation, like they're looking for like a heart centered practice and we're delivering that. And at the same time, like that does not negate the fact that I want to grow. I want to have this business in other cities. So it's not like, Cause I've heard like, don't, you know, Sarah, don't sell out and this and that. And I'm like, I'm, why is me growing selling out? Right. Yeah. Like why is me getting a sponsorship selling out? Because I got to pay these bills. I got three damn kids, five and under. Someone's got to pay these bills, you know? Yeah. And like Lindsay and I actually talk about it because of the sponsorship we have on the podcast. And I'm yeah. like, is this bad? She's like, no, who do you think is paying for it? You know? And it's such a common misconception. I'm just glad you brought it up because people yeah. think, well, must just be easy, must be nice being you. I'm like, do you know how many light bulbs I've changed? Do you know how long I've been doing this? Do you know how many rolls of toilet paper, how much fucking sweat I've picked up off the floor? You know, it's like you got to put in the, the legwork yeah. for it to be, I feel like, have some, have a little chutzpah, totally. you know, and to I be th- meaningful. It's gritty. And it's gritty. Like, that's the thing is that when I, when I talk to people about, you know, especially Instagram stuff, mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you know, but you get so much free stuff. I'm like, first of all, I do. And I turn down a lot of it because I don't know if I'll like it or not. And I don't want to waste some, you know, somebody's product that I'm not going to use. But also like, I'm sorry, like six boxes of gluten-free pasta, like does not pay my rent. Exactly. So I'm like, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your judgment. You know, like it's cool. Yeah, sure. It's cool to get free stuff, but like I, I, you can't do anything with free stuff. It doesn't have any genuine market value. Right. Right. So that's a tricky thing. And I think what's, what's been really crazy for me is also like book writing. I'm doing this as like I, I love the books. I really do. They're so terrible to write, but I love. I was them about to so say. Much. I mean, that sounds like I think of. I have some friends who are writers, and they go, they go into their hole, and yes. they're like, right, right, right. But they're not writing, and then buying all these ingredients and making something, and then making it again, and then making it again. I mean, it's a sounds like it's a freaking it, process. It's a process. It's a. It is like a labor of love, but I end up. The recipe testing. How do you not part, put on six hundred pounds? I th- so I think. Well, first of all, thank God. Like the rest, I don't know how like people who bake do it, but like at least for me, I will cook something and then I'll like eat it for lunch. Yeah. And then I have a arsenal. Like I have a pickup crew in New York. Yeah. And I, I like have like a text chain where I'm like, uh, on the menu tonight, we got meatballs, we got Yum. this, we got that. And, like people are like, I'll take the meatballs, I'll take the, you know, and they, I put it, I order like 
mass quantities of takeout containers on Amazon and I like pack it up or then like I pack it up and I like give it to homeless people in our neighborhood. I'm like, I got to get rid of it. They're like the best fed people in New York. (laughs) (laughs) But like it's, there are parts of it that are so fun. The writing part is always like, you know, you get really in your own head, I think with anything and you start looking at things and you're like, does that sound awkward? Or like, is this stupid? Or are people going to hate this? And you know, I think that's just the cycle that is very natural to go into and it's part of the creative process. And I think what's been really helpful for me is with the first one, I was just like a hot mess. I cried all the time. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't know what questions to ask, which I think is really hard when you're doing something new that you've never done before. Yeah, I was even with my first, when my first book came out, people were like, you going on, are you going on a book tour? I was like, Maybe. Yeah. And I kept like, waiting. I? I kept waiting for like my publisher to call and be like, so now is when you go on tour. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> if I want to go on a tour, I have to plan a whole tour. So yeah. like on, with my last book, it came out in October. I started my tour in February because I like didn't know I was supposed to yeah. plan a tour. And then this time it's like the book came out two weeks ago. I'm like already deep into the tour. You know, like Do I, you find that it helps a lot? Yes. Yeah. And like I'm a huge, huge, huge believer in word of mouth. Like I think people underestimate it, especially this day and age. It's like, just promote it on Instagram and get people to mention it online and whatever. And I'm like, sure, but there is nothing like meeting somebody face to face, whether they're already interested or not. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes like somebody's like, so tell me about the dude diet. And then you like get into this conversation and they're like, oh my God, this sounds right up my alley. Or like my best friend would love this. I'm going to text her about it, whatever it is. Because like I still get all of my (laughs) recommendations from my friends, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that having people who love the book or now books and use them and then they're like telling their communities, it's huge. And like, to me, the tour, like I said, I'm not going to make a dime off this. I'm going to lose some money, but like, not like last time. So it's fine. But I think what's amazing is like, it's kind of a thank you to like my people. Like a lot of these events, people who tested the recipes come out and I get to like, thank them and give them a hug and be like, this was like a huge deal for me. And I, I still don't understand why you did it, but like, I'm so grateful. And like, it's also just people who, you know, do read my blog or buy the books or follow me on Instagram or whatever. And want to like come hang out and chat and have a drink. And sometimes people come to these things and they're like, I like don't cook, but like, like I love to like hear you talk about anxiety or skincare or the other like weird things right, right. To talk about. Right. Um, and like I have an anxiety podcast called spiraling and I think yeah, that's I wanted really... to talk about that too. Cause I, um, we had touched on that and we were going over some notes. So, um, go for it. Well, so touch on it. Touch on it. <laughs> um, I had my first panic attack, my senior, like the week before my graduation from college and in hindsight, like hindsight is always 2020. I'm like, it makes perfect sense yeah. because I was, such a type A, I mean, I am such a type A person, but like I was sort of so type A growing up from as long as I can remember, you know, and I've always been super academic. So from the time I was in kindergarten through college, I just channeled all of that latent anxiety I didn't know existed, like mm-hmm. into academics. Mm-hmm. And when that was taken away like from me, me it just, I had nowhere for that anxiety to go. And I think it, it just, bubbled up and I had this huge panic attack, never had a panic attack before. Luckily, I, I mean, I went to the hospital, like I was like with friends and I was like, whoa. And I just left and I went to the hospital and I've been in, my family is like a big therapy family. So like I had been in therapy prior, like starting my sophomore year of college. And so I called my therapist and was like, I'm either dying or having a panic (laughs) attack. And he's like, well, I I can't, physically see you right like now so you could be either but like you should go to the hospital yeah yeah (laughs) okay um and then after that for like a a year I had pretty bad panic attacks with like generalized anxiety Mm -hmm. and now I've gotten I, I rarely have panic attacks now I just have a lot of sort of generalized anxiety um and what is that like like look like, feel like for just for our listeners, because I think, um, like I definitely have anxiety as well. And I think it like looks, I know when it's flaring because after years and years of being able, and I always say like, I even said it in my class this morning, I'm like, I have spent, I've done every type of therapy and I'm the therapy that's, and why I do this work is because it's movement therapy for me is like a very, it just can physically like take that charge and just like 
dissipate it. Yep. So what is it, how do you know when it's like coming on or what does that feel like for you? For me, and this is something that's been so fascinating for me to talk to people about is like my flavor of anxiety is very physical. Mm-hmm. So I have, yes, I have sort of occasionally like spiraling thought patterns, you know, where I'm like, Ooh, like was, did I hurt that? Per- like, did I upset that person? Is it's whatever. But for me, primarily, that's not how I experience my anxiety. My anxiety comes on and I will feel sort of lightheaded. Sometimes I get a pain in my arm. Uh-huh. Like I have this weird tightness in my chest that's like, I can still get deep breaths, but it's like almost like I'm having kind of a muscle spasm or like somebody's like sitting on my chest. And then sometimes I get nauseous. Sometimes I get cold sweats. Like it's a whole fun bag. (laughs) You're like, here we go. (laughs) But it's really funny because I feel like now I'll occasionally have like a low grade panic attack, but like I, but I no longer freak out about that, which is crazy. It's like, I am freaking out, but I'm not freaking out. So like my body is going into the panic attack and I'm like, you're having a panic attack. You've been here before. It can only last for this amount of time. And I do have a bunch of things now that I do. So like this is, it's been 10 years. So now I feel like I have like a good handle on it. Um, and I can see when it's creeping in and when it's getting worse and I thrive on routine. Mm -hmm. So like I need, you know, like I have to work out. So like, I think, you know, I have to stay hydrated. If I eat too much sugar or have too much caffeine, it's like an instant yep. jolt. Um, I know that what like reading for me is much better for me than watching TV because mm-hmm. like when I'm watching TV, I can still sort of, I call it mind racing, but like I can still do that. Whereas if I'm reading, I have to be sort of more Calm, centered yeah. and focused. Um, I go to therapy. I take CBD. I take magnesium. Like there are things that have worked for me, but I am so cognizant of the fact that everybody's like, you know, prescription, so to speak, whether it's a literal prescription or all of these things combined is so different. Yeah. And so I started this podcast spiraling with, um, my friend Katie Dale about who's had a podcast for a very long time called let it out. And she sort of dives deep into a lot of these, you know, mental health topics. And she, the way she experiences it is very different yeah. than how I experience it. Um, and the things that work for her, like she loves going for like a walk because we live in New York. She's like all of the sounds and like seeing like the buildings and the people going about their business is very grounding for me. I'm like, right. you're okay. Like yeah. everything. And I was like, you're part of Oh it, my yeah. God. If I go outside <laughs> when I'm like panicking, I'm like, oh, it's loud. Like why, <laughs> yeah, why is it so loud? Why is it so loud? Like I just hate it. So I'm like, everybody's thing is different. And like some people, like I take CBD, I'm a very sensitive person in all respects. So I'm right. like, I take 10 milligrams. I'm like, Ooh, I'm good. Yeah. Like some people are like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like I need like 40 to oh, like, I mean, I can like, like eat get. the box. Yes, people give exactly. me CBD. I'm like, what is this? Like a gummy snack? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I'm just like, everybody's thing is different, but it's been really interesting for me because I didn't work out for a long time, like a really long time. And my therapist was always like, you must yeah. start exercising. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then like, three years ago, I started like exercising consistently and I was like, I feel great. And he's like, Oh my God, I hate you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You got to find it on your own though. Yeah. You got to find it on your own. And like, for me, it's now again, like working out, it's, it's really easy for me to motivate. Like people are like, how do you motivate yourself to like work out so often and whatever. And I was like, selfishly, I was like, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying like, I know my like crazy is yeah. going to act up. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. I have to, like, I'm like, it's a preventative Totally. Thing. Absolutely. And that's smart. I mean the same, I, I feel you on that because there's some days where I'm like, I just don't want to. I'm like, but think of, you know what paying it forward looks like, you know, yes. like, you know, at the end, you're, I never, I always, I say this to my students too. I'm like, I never like walk out and I'm like, oh, wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. Gosh, I wish I hadn't worked out. You know, it's just like the act of getting there sometimes can it's be a so bit tough challenging for sure. No, I, I hear you. I, I feel like years of having anxiety for me. It's so interesting. It always happens when I travel. Oh, so if I'm in a okay. car on an airplane, especially mm-hmm. now that I have kids when I'm on an airplane, mm-hmm. I have to like, we were, when we were leaving Vegas, Stacy and I were a few days ago. I could like, I went to soul cycle. I went to soul cycle before we left. Like I went to an early morning class. We left on a Monday. I was like, I have to work out. Yeah. I don't care. Like if you're sleeping, enjoying, she's like, why don't you sleep in? And I'm like, no, I have to, I know I got to do this. <laughs> I got to sweat. So I went to soul cycle. <laughs> 
And then like we were getting ready. She's like, you seem really anxious. I was like, I am. And I was like, okay, I just need to breathe. She's like, just remember, like we'll get on the plane. Then we'll get to Atlanta. We'll have a quick dinner and then we'll get on another plane and then you'll be home. So I like, if I can like set, if I'm like, okay, here's what we do here. And there's other people doing the same thing with you. And we're yes. just going to get there and we're going to get there and then we'll be there. You know, it's like <laughs> one step at a time. We just mark it off the list. So, but like, that's a very, and like <clears throat> travel anxiety, I feel like it's something a lot of people can relate to. I weirdly don't have anything when it comes to like the, like flying or anything like that. But every time I go somewhere, like when I leave, I get really anxious on the way to the airport because I like have a like. I left the stove on. I forgot something. I right. did whatever. And like now like I, I, I like take a picture of my stove. Yeah. So you can, so I can be like, you did turn it off. Yep. Like, and like for me, like everyone's like, that's a really common one. I was like, I know, but I like actually have left it on before because yeah. I'm cooking all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so like, I, I'm so conscious of it, but I also like everybody's, everybody has different triggers, which I'm so happy that people are talking more about mental health these days, because I think a lot of people just bucket anxiety or depression or whatever the, you know, mental health issue in question is into certain things that are just have like stereotyped, you know, whatever we want to call them, blanket statements that everybody has like heard about them and then just applies. And I think, you know, people are like, if you have anxiety, like how can you go on TV or how can you like speak in front of crowds? And I was like, I don't have that. Those aren't triggers for me. Right. 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 And I was like, you can't like generalize that. Like, and also I'm like, you know, the one crazy thing is how can you have anxiety and do X? Like that thought never occurred to me. And I think I'm really lucky because I, I've been in therapy for so long. Like I've never seen anxiety as like something that like means I can't do certain things. Yeah. And so I think what's been like, really wonderful because I recognize my privilege so heavily and that like I come from a family where we're allowed to talk about this stuff or like I'm not made to feel, you know, weird or crazy or less than because of, you know, our anxiety or depression or whatever it is in my family. And I think that, um, when I met my husband, it was really interesting to like, he, he's never experienced Mm -hmm. any form of anxiety to be like, this is what it feels like, yeah. you know, but you don't, I think because I talk about anxiety so much on my blog and Instagram and now on the podcast, like people have this misconception that I talk about it all the time at home too. Right. And like, so finally I clarified, and I was like, oh my God, just because I talk about this openly, it's like, I'm trying to normalize it. I'm yeah. like, when I'm like, you're not like Logan, husband, sit down. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> so let me tell you about my day at 1137. Yeah. I started feeling anxious. You know, like it's more like if, yes. I, if I am feeling anxious now, because I've already done the work of being like, this is what it feels like. These are like how it comes on, like whatever. Now he can either sense it or if he's talking, I can just be like, I feel really anxious. And then like, he knows like when I feel really anxious, like I don't really want to talk. It doesn't help yeah. me. It makes it worse. Yeah. I'm like, I don't really want to talk. I don't like to be touched when I'm anxious. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to cuddle. I don't want you to like, yeah. the, you know, put whatever. your pants back on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like, I think like a lot of people, like, again, like some people like need to be held when but they're anxious. But it's so lovely that he can understand yes. that. And so I'm like, I think the communication element of it is like sometimes getting over that hump of being like, they're going to think I'm weird or crazy or whatever. I was like, I think it's a lot more weird and crazy if you just act weird and crazy with yeah. no explanation. <laughs> totally. So I'm like you're not weird or crazy or like damaged. I think that's another big thing is like, I think a lot of people are like, I'm not like worthy of like this partner or whatever because right. I have anxiety and they don't and this is a burden for them. And the truth is, is like when it comes to anxiety or a lot of sort of difficult things in life, I'm like, everything ebbs and flows and we need different things from different people at different times. Mm -hmm. So like maybe it's not anxiety, but like if Logan, my husband is like going through a rough time at work, like I'm going to support him during that time. And then like when I, like right now, like I've been gone for two weeks, like I'm traveling, I'm exhausted. Like sometimes when I get to talk to him on the phone, I'm like, you know, like the other day I just like burst into tears and he's like, Oh my God, why are you crying? Everything's going so well. And I was like, I just like, I heard his voice and I was like, I'm, I'm so tired. Yeah. And like, I just like, yes. you know, and like, like if Logan was anxious, I would not love him any less. So I'm like, why would he love me any less? Right. Like, it's not, it's just part of who I am. It's not like the defining factor. And I think when people, I'm always like, I think you'll be surprised if you tell somebody that you're like feeling this way, yep. it explains so much more than just like 
if I were to like not talk or like push him away from me when he tried to cuddle me with no explanation, right. then like that's much worse. So yep. I'm like if you can lay the groundwork and like express what helps and what doesn't help and how you're feeling and whatever, then moving forward, it's just like anxious. And then they will know. Yeah, definitely. No, it's so true. I had a therapist um, after I had my twins. Um, it was actually not my therapist at the time. It was my OB. And she, I had like, so I have a five-year-old and now I have, and I have two-year-old twins. But after the twins were born, I had like three kids, three and under. Yeah. I was like freaking losing my <laughs> shit. And, she, and I had an ex- experience with my daughter, I have boy-girl twins, where I was like, I was like being so brave. I mean, I don't feel like the twins left the house for a year. And so I was like, I'm going to take everyone to Whole Foods. And I got oh my the God. kids in the car <laughs> and I almost left Della, my daughter, and not... And I got in the car and I was like, one, two. I was like, where the fuck? And I like, look, and she's just like this little baby sitting in his cart. And I was like, I, I gotta go talk to somebody. And I just like, and I was like sinking. And I went and talked to my doctor and she's like, I think you have some postpartum. It's yeah. totally normal. And she's like, Sarah, if somebody with a heart disease had something going on, would you look at them funny if they had to be put on medicine? I was like, no. She's like, okay, same, same. Like, yeah. let's like, let's work with this as much as you can. Cause I was so resistant. And I think that's another thing. No, medicine is not for everybody. No. But like at the time it was so, it was like someone had thrown me a life raft and I was a friend of mine. We were talking about it and I was like, and she had experienced the same thing actually after she had had a baby. And I was like, what? I was like, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't want to take something. She's like, yeah. you know what it's like, Sarah? She's like, right now, it's like you're hanging on a jagged cliff in a string bikini. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> she goes, and what this, she said, and when I was where you are, she goes, what it was like when I was able to experience re- like to re- the release of it with a little bit of help from visit, like from therapy and from the medicine was like, I was still on that jagged cliff in the bikini, but someone wrapped me in bubble wrap. Yeah. She's like, I wasn't numb. I was still experiencing, but it's like not everything was so cutting and scary, yes. you know? And like for, I'm such a visual person and that was such an amazing, like, I was like, I that, that makes so much sense. Like, okay. So I'm still in my, <laughs> I'm still in my postpartum body in my string bikini yes. on a cliff, but now we're wrapped in bubble wrap. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I can, I can get on board with this, you know? No, and it's and true. just being able to, like you said, normalize it, just having a, like a yeah. friend who I love and admire and I, like being like, dude, this is where I am. And her being like, Hey girl, I've been there. Or I get you. I think that's what it is. It's like, I think everybody craves a community in, in all aspects Absolutely. of like their real life. And then like certain pockets of your life, like you're like, I have anxiety and maybe none of my family or friends have this. Like, what do I do? Right. And that was like ultimately why we started our podcast. And for both of us, it was like, and it still is, it's like 100% for fun and we were like when this stops being yep. fun or we feel like we're not helping people then like we're done we let it go because like it's neither of our right you know, professional yeah like, yeah and we're like we're not experts we are literally just two I anxious know. people in a room yeah. <laughs> two anxious people in a room i love it but like it's been so interesting like what i was laughing about the bubble wrap thing because it's i think i also am so open about the fact that i'm like i'm not on medication right now but i was for the first year when i developed this like mm-hmm. i don't think i could have gotten through that first year totally. like i needed something to get me over the hump while i worked on a management strategy mm-hmm. and like it took the edge off like i would i i didn't have the brain space at that point to try anything else that might help me because I was just like so wrapped well, you were up in it. and I was in it and yeah. I was like, I, I can't, I can't do anything to help myself like, because I don't have any relief. Yep. Like I'm just anxious all the time. Yep. And so like that was insanely helpful for me. And I think what's been sort of the, the tricky thing for me to navigate as somebody who's not an expert and who is like trying my best just to make people feel like they're not alone because there are so anytime I bring up my own anxiety, like somebody's like, Oh my God, I'm so anxious. You know, like I think like more of us are anxious than not. Yeah. I also think like anxious people are the best. I think it's a like partially a side effect of like a creative brain. Yeah. And like, I just think like a lot of the people I meet, that are anxious are like my favorite people. Yeah. Like just, but, and Stacey like I and I can, laid in bed in Vegas, like bed by bed. We were both in like these huge fluffy beds and like, she was like, I'm so anxious. I was like, I'm so anxious. <laughs> and people, I mean, like, you know, but like seriously, no, like, and we're like sure. on our computers, like, and like, I think the tricky thing these days is I do think, unfortunately, anxiety is like, well, I don't want to say unfortunately. It's like, I feel like anxiety is having a moment and that's wonderful because it's educating so many people who don't know about it. It's, it's normalizing it. It's making people feel less alone. But I do think that some people are hopping on the bandwagon 
not necessarily intentionally, but misinterpreting stress as anxiety. Mm -hmm. So like I sometimes see people being like five things to like do to manage your anxiety. And they're like, make a list of all the things that are like, I'm like no, 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 that person is stressed out. <laughs> like making a to-do list will like help you like knock things off in right. a, like organized manner and you will feel less stressed. Right. I'm like, I actually have very little anxiety when I'm very stressed right. because it takes up all my brain space. So I like secretly love when I'm like in the thick of turning in a book yeah. because I have zero anxiety. I'm so stressed out and I'm exhausted. Yeah. But like my brain has like, when I turn in my books or when I get home, like I feel great right now. Yeah. When I get home next Friday, yeah. I'm like, oh dear God. I'm yeah, like, here we go. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, look, can you give me like a mat? I'm gonna have to live with my legs up the wall. Yeah. Like, there's no like, Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because once I once that big thing is done, yeah, and I have some free brain space, it's like all oh, comes back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. That makes total sense. And goes back to your initial point too of why we're like runners. Yes. And like living, I think what I've been so focused on like personally also like in therapy the past two years really has been buckling down on being like how can I manage my anxiety in periods that are not high stress so that I do not just live my life in a perpetual state of high stress because like I turned this book in and then like I you know said to my therapist I was like Okay, so I think I'm going to do this. I'm also going to start this podcast. I'm planning the tour. I was like, I think I'm going to launch a new, like a product on the site. He was like, I would I would urge you not to do that. <laughs> and he was like, I think you're just doing this to avoid feeling anxious. And he was like, and it's like a vicious cycle. Yeah. So he was like, so if what you, are the, what, yeah, what are the best practices for that? Because I think a I, lot of people can relate to that. <laughs> I think it's, first of all, like you said earlier, it's really hard to sort of, at least for me, like experience any success that you're having while it's happening. And so I've been trying to be like focus on being a little bit more present in my day to day. And I think that's a practice. Mm-hmm. Like it, you actually have to literally practice. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it last night because I did this dinner at Basic Kitchen mm-hmm. and we love Bakes at Kitchen. They're the best. They're, they're, they're the like best. the absolute yeah, best. Yeah, I love them. And it was like this amazing dinner. The food was amazing. It was sold out. There were all these people there. And like somebody introduced themselves and like was standing there and they were, they were like, I hope you're like, like we look, they were like, I hope you're like really soaking this in. Like mm. there's like a hundred people in this room. They paid to be here. They don't know you. They just like want to like have dinner, you know? And I was like, oh my God. Like, and I had not, like I had not, registered that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need reminders. And I think that having, you know, it's been really helpful for me to have, like, I'm so grateful for Logan, like, cause he's, he has a lot more perspective and I think I do the same thing for him. Totally. Like, so like, it's really wonderful. And if like, it's not your partner, it can be a friend or a business partner. And like, I try to do that for other people because I find that like, sometimes me, reminding other people of their successes helps me feel a little bit more comfortable in like experiencing my own. Yeah. Cause I think it's really strange to like, be like, I made like something or I'm doing something well mm-hmm. and, and people are celebrating it. Cause like, I think partially my anxiety like comes in and it's like, are you like, giving these people that are here like enough or right. like, are you being a narcissist? Because like, this right. Well, we're taught not to self-celebrate. <laughs> yes. And so I think like it literally practicing that. And then I think like actually forcing myself to take time off, which is like a very, it's gotten easier. Like the past few years, it's again, a practice, but yeah. like being like, I deserve to not work on the weekend. Yeah. Like, there's yes. like, you know? Yeah. And like getting, sometimes I'm not great at sticking to it, but being like, wow, like I went through phases where it was really hard for me to like put my phone in the other room and like read. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is uncomfortable. Like I don't yeah. like this. And I think just forcing myself to do stuff like that yeah. over and over, it's like learning to like, get into like a workout routine that you actually stick to. I'm like, okay, so yeah, everything's a practice. Everything it, it's really, and it's, I think I was, I had this, a similar conversation recently and somebody's like, Oh, but that's so exhausting. I was like, it is. But like, think about everything that we've done. Totally. You just get better at it. I always say like the first time you got on your bike and you fell off, hopefully your parents weren't like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right, right. We're done. We're not trying that again. So it's just like everything, you yeah. know, like my husband's a really, really amazing skier. He worked on Vail and all this stuff and I suck and like really, really suck. And like, I'm consider myself pretty athletic, pretty, yeah. you know, I like to be good at physical fitnessy things. And after the last time we went skiing together, <clears throat> first of all, I said, I'm never doing that. He's like, let me teach you how to ski. And it was, he was like off of the mountain. And yeah. I was like, pizza. I was like, pizza all the way to the bar. I was like, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I'm going to die. And I was like, but it was so humbling for me mm-hmm. because I think too, like we get, you know, where energy goes, energy goes. So we get good at the things that we get good at and yes. what we build um, to try new things too. For me, it's just speaking of getting present. I was so present in that moment. Like what you said, putting your phone away and reading a book, even though it was challenging, it gave me perspective on like all the other people around me who were experiencing new things or like when people walk in my room and they're like, I am fucking terrified to walk into this room right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's just, we're, it, I think like our brain works so much better too. And we're constantly learning. Yes. And I think what's been really interesting, like starting this next book tour, the last book tour was like an absolute shit show. Like we already talked about the financial element of it, but there were events that I had probably a handful of events that were great. Most of them were like huge quote unquote failures, but like, I don't <laughs> see them like that. Uh, right. Like I had one that I did in a dive bar in <laughs> Minneapolis. It was like, I thought it was a good idea. I really did. I was like, I mean, oh, it sounds like, cool though. I'll meet some dudes. Like that's Whatever. I, Go into this bar. This guy from Barnes and Noble has come to sell books, and he has this like machine that's like six feet tall. It looks like it's from the eighties. It's like a book selling machine. I don't know. <laughs> and he like rolls it up to like this like booth that I'm like sitting out with my books in the bar. It didn't sell a single book that night, obviously. But there was also like a group of like girls like sitting like, at a table, and they're like, "What the fuck is this chick doing in here? Like hawking her stupid diet book?" Oh you know, my like, gosh! Whatever. And I was just like, "Okay, in this moment, yeah." Like, like, I'm like this. Nothing, I'm like pulling at my skin know, for like, you. Nothing <laughs> could possibly be like worse. But I was like, this also isn't that bad. Yeah. It's a weird thing. I'm going like, to survive this. I was like just sitting there and I was like, wow, like, I get, like, this is very embarrassing. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, this sucks. Yes. I'm like, I'm tired. But I was like, like, this is rock bottom and rock bottom is not that bad. Yeah. So I'm like, now I just have no fear. Like, it's not that I don't care if anyone shows up. I obviously want people to show up. Totally. But if they don't, like, I'm like, well, like, I get up tomorrow and, like, my life goes on. Like, there's literally nothing. I think that's, like, one of the things that held me back for so many years from doing a lot of things was, yeah. like, A, like, my imposter syndrome and then being like, what if nobody comes? Like, whatever. And it's like, now it's like, what if nobody comes? Like, they didn't. that's it. They just <laughs> didn't come. Yeah. I'm like... Like the world keeps on spinning and totally. like nothing terrible happens. And like, honestly, I'm like this day and age, it's, I just find these kinds of things really funny. But now you've got a great story and, like, and I have yes, such a visual. Yes. <laughs> and like, there was like, that was like the worst, but it's like, yeah, like I also had like events where like there was supposed to be 50 people. There was like food for 50 people and like three people like came and were like, hi. Like, yeah. Well, let's do the talk. Hope you're hungry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take some extra snacks. Yeah. Let's sit down and get started. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I mean, I can relate to that 100% too. Yes. Yeah. Like I imagine, <laughs> yes, that just happens. But I've, I've learned too that like it makes me feel better to show up for like whoever is there. Absolutely. So I was like, if three people come or 50 people come, like I'm still, I, you still got to do the talk. You still got to do the presentation or sign the three books instead of 50 mm-hmm. and be really excited about it because like the three people that showed up, it's not their fault. The other 47 S- didn't come. So I'm going <laughs> to pause you right there. What you just said is so, such good information for young fitness, for young yoga teachers, fitness instructors, anyone for sure. But like that is so powerful because people we get, you know, if three people come, well, the energy's low. I'm just going to go through the motions. And I'm like, those three people came, came. right? Like I, I say that too. I'm like, please, I don't care if it's three or 300. We teach the same class. Yeah. You just go in there because they came for you, yeah. you know, and, and, and they came to, to experience it. And I think that that's so, such a great lesson and so true across the board. And like, it makes like, it makes you feel good. It's like, you have to be there anyway. Right. So like you may as well just like go, go yeah. and do it. And like, you feel better afterwards. And like, I remember <laughs> like a friend told my husband, she had like come, I did this charity event and like, I did a demo and like, I had a microphone and stuff and like, just like nobody was like, people were like at the event, but like, nobody <laughs> was just looking. <laughs> And I was like cooking this thing 
And she was like, I saw your wife at an event. She was like, she's got like a big set of balls. She was like, (laughs) she just was like doing this demo and she was like, not a single person was watching and I just had so much respect. And I was like, you know, like what if like somebody had turned around? Like, I'm just like, like what if I, or like, and I was like, it would make me feel so shitty to like be like mid thing and then just be like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah. 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 Good for you, girl. <laughs> I love that. Um, is there anything else? Like anything, it, any, I know we're not forecasting cause we're going to take a break. We're both going to take a break after this yes, book in the studio. Take a break. Um, no, I mean, so I'm, I'm on tour through the end of January. Okay. Um, so if anybody's listening and wants to potentially come hang yeah. out, um, the full tour schedule is on my blog, which is domesticate-me.com, but it's also on Instagram and I'll be Will you give us your people. handle and everything? Yes. My handle is at Serena G. Wolf. Um, and my blog is Domesticate Me. Podcast is spiraling. So if you happen to be anxious, it I love that be name too. You. And what's your friend's <laughs> podcast name? Uh, Let It Out. And I, I highly like recommend Katie's podcast if you're somebody who likes like long form conversations. She does deep dives into all kinds of traditionally uncomfortable topics, and it's it's awesome. Awesome. Um, but yeah, that's what we got going on. Get the dude diet dinner time or yes. the dude diet. I want. I'm gonna. I do. I really want it. I really do. You had me at scoop the bread out. Keep yes. the meat, add the mushrooms, <laughs> light on cheese. I was like, I can do that. I can do that. It's and I think everyone in my house will eat it. Yes, so, exactly. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having Have, me. Um, so enjoy your rest of time in Charleston. Thank you. Thank you guys for sticking around to listen to that. Serena had some good insight and definitely going to grab those cookbooks. I think they'd be an amazing, amazing Christmas gift for my dude. Maybe your dude too. Um, So as always, guys, if you liked us, even if you didn't like us, tell your friends, please tell your friends you liked us though. Okay. Rate us, send us out, promo us. We love doing this, but we need you to do it too. So help us out. We love you. Bye, 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 bye.